Thank you for that wonderful hymn. Very well done. <clears throat> the message entitled <clears throat> today is so much the more. It's from Luke 18, verse 39. And it says, And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace, but he cried so much the more. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. We have a fascinating story before us today. It's a story of a grown man. It's a story of a blind man. The Gospel of Mark gives the parallel account of this, and Mark actually gives this blind man a name, the name of Bartimaeus. And um, some may wonder what that means. Um, the prefix bar means son of. And so we have son of Timaeus. That's what Bartimaeus means. Uh, another famous uh, son, if you will, in the New Testament was Barabbas. And you remember him. Uh, that was the man that the Pharisees said that Pilate should choose to grant freedom and to crucify Jesus. And Barabbas means son of Abbas. And Abbas is a, a Hebrew word that means father. So it's just a, a very interesting irony that um, they chose son of the father, that's Barabbas, in place of the true son of the father, Jesus. So there's some preaching in there. We're not going to go there today. But this fellow, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, what does Timaeus mean? Timaeus means unclean, as in ceremonial uncleanness, or foul, perhaps. And so here, Bartimaeus was the son of Timaeus. His father had the name of Timaeus, which means unclean or foul. Whatever happened, how he ever ended up with that name, we'll never know. But here's the son of unclean, the son of foul, the son of Timaeus. And uh, the story indicates how Bartimaeus went absolutely ballistic over a chance, an opportunity to have an answer to his prayer. And we're going to learn about that today. So let's first bow our heads in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would use the scriptures and the thoughts presented today to move on everyone's heart and show them and convince them the need of consecrating themselves into your hand this day. Lord, the best thing we can do at the beginning of any adventure, any business enterprise, any marriage, any relationship, any new year, is to put ourselves into your hands. And so, Lord, have the Holy Spirit teach us that today. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, once again, we've read the story here and we need to ask ourselves the question, why did this guy go so ballistic? Why did this blind man act the way he did? It got me thinking, I wonder if Bartimaeus was just that type. He was just very demonstrative, very expressive, uh, very outgoing. Would he have been this excited over a sports game if he found out that these two teams were coming to his town of Jericho and going to play in the arena. Would Bartimaeus have cried out so much the more? Could the crowd have tried to silence him? But Bartimaeus, loud voice, ringing voice or something, would have pierced through all of their hushes and shushes and uh, would have made himself known. He wanted to attend a sports game. You think so? What about a free lunch? 
if uh, news spread, there was going to be a free lunch. A lot of people will show up for a free lunch. Would Bartimaeus have gotten all animated and excited? Me too. Oh, don't forget me. Hey, and would he have shouted so much the more over a free lunch? We've got a man here, a grown man, really acting out of character. Now, is there anything wrong with sports games? Nope. Nothing wrong with sports games unless, of course, they play them on Sundays. Anything wrong with a free meal? Nope. Except often the food we eat has too many carbohydrates in it for our own good. But listen, for three and a half years now, stories of Jesus had circulated throughout the Holy Land. Stories of his teachings, stories of his exploits against the Pharisees, and of course, his many miracles. And Jesus did a lot of miracles. He turned the water into wine. He walked on water. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. And he opened the eyes of the blind more than once. Now, Bartimaeus had three and a half years to hear about these stories. You see, from Jericho, Jesus was going into Jerusalem for the last time. And there he would be nailed on a cross. But Bartimaeus, for some three and a half years now, had heard the stories of Jesus, and he had an opportunity to think about his life and how he would sit alone in darkness. His life was one of complete darkness, wasn't it? He was blind. He had to beg for alms, for uh, gifts and money that people would give him out of the goodness of their heart in order for him to buy food and necessities. We don't know a whole lot about Bartimaeus, but slowly it would seem Bartimaeus over this period of time came to understand and believe who Jesus really was. And he understood that this Jesus of Nazareth was Jesus the Messiah because that's what the expression son of David means. God made a promise, a covenant with King David that of his loins God would raise up a son that would sit on the throne throughout the millennial kingdom for Israel. And that one was to be the Messiah. And he was known as the son of David. That's why as Jesus entered into Jerusalem for that last time, and they had this great proclamation go up. Remember the triumphal entry and reading about that? Hosanna to the son of David. This is what they were crying. So they recognized, many of them recognized that he wasn't just Jesus of Nazareth. He was Jesus the Messiah. And here, blind Bartimaeus figured it out. And here's the key, I think. The more Bartimaeus came to understand who Jesus was, the more important, did you get that? The more important that Jesus became to him. We could say that to Bartimaeus, Jesus became so much the more. Again, with your Bible open at Luke 18, look please again at verse 39. And then, uh, and they which went before rebuked him. They tried to rebuke Bartimaeus that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, thou son of David, have mercy on me. I'm heralding to you a truth today on this first Lord's Day of 2019. The truth is this, that just like Bartimaeus, the more that we, you and I, understand who Jesus is, so much the more important Jesus will become to us. The more we understand him and who he is, the more precious, the more important we'll hold him in our heart. 
hearts. Now listen carefully. Those of you that are here today who've been born again and saved perhaps for a number of years now. You are the folk that have tasted of God's grace. You're the folks that have read with understanding the Bible. It's not so much a closed book to you, is it? You can open it and read it with comprehension and understanding. And listen, after all that, can you honestly and truly say that Jesus is so much the more is Jesus your pearl of great price today? Is Jesus your rose of Sharon? Is Jesus your heart's desire? Do you love Jesus and desire Him today such that He is so much the more? You see blind Bartimaeus when he heard the commotion and asked what it meant and he was told that Jesus was coming through town. He cried out so much the more, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on him. He knew that this was maybe his last opportunity. Two Sundays ago, we all traveled together back some 2,000 years by faith to behold Jesus in the manger. Now come with me and let us behold Jesus in His kingdom glory. And to do this, we'll need the help of the Scriptures. And I'm going to ask you to turn back to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 20. So Exodus is an easy book to find. It's Genesis, Exodus, second book in the Bible there. So Exodus chapter 20. Of course, in this chapter, we have the Ten Commandments given. Is this overhead ready to go? All right. Okay. Exodus chapter 20, verse 21. I want you to see this. Read it out loud together with me, please. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. We have man represented in this lower corner down here. And man, looking upon God, trying to get some understanding of God, runs into thick darkness. To man, God is one big question mark. That's why so many people in the world even deny that God exists. They refer to themselves as what? Atheists. There are others who believe that uh, all this world started with some kind of big bang, yahoo, pie in the sky, and that evolved into all of the intricate, complicated life forms we have today. What do they call themselves? Evolutionists. Yeah. And of course, there's other people with other groups and other titles and so on, but they all face the same problem. They look at God... And it's just, God, are you out there? God, who are you? It's like a thick darkness. And the people in Moses' day, they looked up and they saw thick darkness. Moses saw more than that. Moses approached the thick darkness. If you want to get to know God, you have to get past the thick darkness. The thick darkness is there to discourage you. The thick darkness is there maybe even to confuse you. But you can get through the thick darkness. Like driving through a fog, you can get through that. You, got, you have to get inside the thick darkness because it's there you'll find the next step in knowing God.
turn back to chapter 16, Exodus 16. Exodus chapter 16. <coughs> and I'd like you please to look at verse number 10. Exodus 16 and verse 10. It came to pass as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel that they looked toward the wilderness and here it is. Behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And so the next step, if we were to call them steps, as we approach the thick darkness and we get through that thick darkness, we find God's glory. God's glory here. God veils himself. God hides himself. There's no man that can possibly look on God and live because even his glory is so powerful that I think we'd melt. We would come unglued, if you will. Our atoms, our particles, and, and uh, so on would, would perhaps just evaporate. No man can look upon Almighty God and live in our human flesh. We're not able. But behind that thick darkness veils God's glory. And God's glory, I think, is absolutely glorious. But we have not yet found God. We need to take another step. And for this, we're going to go to the New Testament and to the Gospel of Matthew. Turn there with me, please. Matthew chapter 17. It's here we find that the Lord Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John up into this mount that we call the Mount of Transfiguration. And here in chapter 17 of Matthew, and I'd like you to look at the first half of verse 5. Chapter 17 of Matthew, verse 5, and the first half of it, follow as I read, while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Now look up here for a moment. After we have penetrated through the thick darkness, after we've made our way somehow through the glory, then we come upon the light. The light that is beyond, beyond the glory. It's being hidden by the glory. You see, God is light. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5 teaches us that. That God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. In Revelation 22 and verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. Listen, and the bright... There's the light part. The bright and morning star. That's Revelation 22:16. The Lord is light. God is light. And if we're going to get to know God, we've got to know something about Him through this aid of the Scriptures. We approach God and there's, there's darkness. And we have got questions and wonders about uh, eternity. And many people say, what will happen to me after I die? And is there a heaven? And is there a hell? And is there a God? Is there a way I can be saved and, and ready for eternity? Is there a way I can be, be uh, pre prepared for heaven and know it? Can a man know for sure, not just hope so, think so, guess so, but know for sure that heaven is his final destiny? Is there a way? And the Bible says, yes, there is a way. These things have we written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have, present tense, eternal life. So yes, you and I can know for 100% sure that when we die, we're going to be in heaven. 
to find God, there's this thick darkness we need to get through. Then there's his glory. When we somehow, which I don't believe we can, if we could pass through that glory, we would find the light because God is light. And again, uh, uh, that light uh, would, would dissolve us. Uh, but then we go one step further. And in your Bible in Matthew 17, back to verse 5, and look at the last half. It says, And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Look at this. Right in the very center, right in the very heart, we find God. And his name is what? Jesus. I'll tell you the truth. The Jesus of the New Testament is the Jehovah of the Old Testament. They are one in the same. They are not, they are not two separate gods. There's one God. And he went by the name Jehovah largely in the Old Testament and by the name Jesus in the New Testament. And if you're looking to find God, you can do it. And you must first pierce the darkness. You must first get past the thick darkness, the cloud. And there, if you will, is his glory. But beyond that is his light. And in the center of that is God himself. Boy, what a picture. What a picture. And showing puny man, you and I, and almighty God in his power and his glory. I'll tell you something. Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus, never saw the brightness and the glory of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration as the other uh, apostles, Peter, James, and John did when they went with him up there. And Jesus, his clothes and everything were transfigured. That's why we call it the Mount of Transfiguration. And he became dazzling white. And he was seen there talking with Moses and Elijah. Blind Bartimaeus never ascended that mountain. Blind Bartimaeus never saw the glory and the brightness of Jesus Christ. But listen carefully, in his blindness, Bartimaeus saw more of Jesus than most other people saw of him that day. His physical blindness actually was an asset, allowing him to exercise faith. And it's only by faith that you and I can see God. It's only by faith. Bartimaeus saw Jesus as so much the more. And I ask you today, my Christian friend, how do you see your Savior? Do you see Him as so much the more than you did in 2018, than you did in 2017? Is He truly your pearl of great price, your rose of Sharon, the desire of all nations? Is it true that He is the lover of your soul? But are you the lover of His soul? Bartimaeus was. He was so thrilled, so excited, he just about jumped out of his skin when they told him, Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And he would not shut up. And the crowd said, be quiet, be quiet. He's going to Jerusalem. He's got important things to do and important people to speak to. Uh, Who are you anyhow? You're a nobody. You're a nothing. But he wouldn't be still, would he? And he spoke out and he raised his voice and he hollered the best he could with all his might. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. Why? Because to Bartimaeus, Jesus was so much the more. And I ask you, if you're planning and intending to consecrate yourself today to God, is God so much the more to you today? 
Why would you ever want to consecrate yourself to some puny little God with a small g, some little thing with eyes that cannot see and ears that cannot hear? And if it fell over, you would have to be the one that straightens up this little idol, this little God, who in their right mind would bow down to a piece of stone or a piece of wood fashioned by the, the skill and cunning of men's hands. I'll tell you, the one true God, His name is Jesus. He is the Almighty God. There is none beside Him. He has all power. He has all wisdom. He has the ability to be everywhere at the same time. And He knows all there is to know about you, my friend. Every atom, every particle, every hair upon your head. He knows every breath you've got left before you leave this world. He knows all about you, including all of your troubles and your trials, all of your ups and all of your downs. And you know, He loves you still. He loves you with all His heart. Say, how do you know? Because He died for you on the cross. He died for you with you in mind, with you in His, in his heart, in His vision. He could see you. He could call you by name. And there on the cross, He shed His blood. He spilled His soul into your hell. He died for you. He paid what you owe in that, that awful pit of eternity. Then he was buried and he rose again for you the third day. And he offers eternal life to whosoever will. It's this God we're talking about. It's the one God that holds your existence in the palm of his hand. Your soul belongs to him. And it's in his hand. Oh, what will you do with Jesus today? Will you not come and consecrate yourself? If Bartimaeus were here today... Don't you think he'd be the first one forward on the invitation after the preaching when we say whosoever will may come? In just a few moments, we'll be standing, we'll be praying, the invitation will be open, the opportunity will be yours to come and consecrate yourself to God Almighty on this first Sunday of 2019. It'll be your opportunity. It'll be your joy for some. But what about others? Maybe you're here today and you still haven't made it past that thick darkness. What should I do, you say? What you need to do is you need to come and pray to God and say, God, help me to pierce that darkness. Help me to find you. Help me to know you in a personal, intimate, one-on-one -on -one way. You see, that's something that Bible Christianity has going for it that no other world religion does. And there are billions and billions of people that have been raised in millions of different religions. And they are taught that God is out there somewhere. Sometimes they're taught that God is in this stone. God is in that tree. God is in that pussycat walking down the street. And they're taught nonsense and they're taught lies. And they're never taught the truth that God is the one creator. He holds all the souls in his hand. But the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And our problem, folks, is our sin. Our bad thoughts, our bad words, our bad attitudes, our disobediences. Maybe there was someone here today and uh, before you got here to church, you had struggled with some sin. Some bad words or some bad thoughts went through your head. Maybe there's someone here today that wasn't planning on being here today, but somehow you ended up here. Oh, I'm sure glad you did. You know, you have an opportunity to come and to consecrate yourself into the hand of Almighty God, your God, your Creator. 
and he needs to be your savior. Is Jesus really worthy of our praise? Oh yes, my friend. I'll tell you something. Jesus is worthy of so much the more praise and adoration than you or I have the ability to give him. Is Jesus truly worthy of any gift we can give him? Oh yes, my friend. Jesus Christ is far more worthy, so much the more, of any gifts that we can possibly give him on earth. He is so much more worthy of all of this. The Apostle Paul, whom I believe wrote the book of Hebrews, said that Jesus was better. He used the word better over and over. And Jesus is better than anything before. That means that Jesus is worthy. He's worth more. Truly, Jesus is worth more than all the combined wealth of the world. Why would you want to live, yourself, uh, you live your life for the wealth of this world? Uh, I saw in the news that just recently an, an, another uh, um, uh, a person who lives in Surrey here just won millions and millions of dollars. And the caption is, dreams do come true. Listen, that's not going to be a dream. That's going to become a nightmare for that person because they were right in their first words out of their mouth. This is going to change our lives. They don't know the half of it. They don't know the heartache that'll come their way. They don't realize yet that every crook and every relative they didn't know they had are going to seek them out. And they will not let go until they get what they want. They're like parasites. It's the worst than any kind of disease that uh, the doctors have ever dealt with. It's called lotto fever. I'll tell you, why would you ever want to live your life for the things of this world? Because they're passing, they're passing. You may get yourself a million dollars today, it's spent tomorrow, or it's stolen tomorrow. You get yourself a new home, a new car, and you rejoice in that, but then the home gets broken into and the, and the car gets whacked at the intersection, T-boned, and then what? Nothing in this world is worth it. Why would you want to live your life for the things of this world that perish? Live your life for the things that don't perish. The things that are yet to come. That's what Jesus said. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth, doth not corrupt and thieves do not break through and steal. If God has blessed you with a little bit down here on earth, fine, wonderful, no problem. But I'll tell you, Jesus is worth more than all the combined wealth of this world, which they have estimated, I've read, around $300 trillion, something like that, the combined wealth of the world. And Jesus is worth way, way more. Jesus is worth more than all of the souls of the people that have ever lived. And they estimate there's something like 16 billion people till today that have ever lived since the Garden of, of, of Eden. Jesus is worth more than all of the stars and all of the planets of all of the galaxies, of all of the solar systems, of all of the universes that are in the heavens above. Jesus is worth more. More than all of that. Jesus is that pearl of great price. And can you only imagine, dear Christian friend, that you, a creature of dust, a child of hell, should one day in His image shine that's what's waiting for you after we leave oh let us come and adore him today my sermon is to herald this message today is the day now is the time to come and consecrate yourself to this loving God his name is Jesus who not only died for you but lives for you and get this right now is praying for you to the father and supporting you
He knows what tomorrow holds for you. He knows that this week someone's going to get sick. Someone may lose their job. Someone is going to have a downturn. And Jesus now is even praying for you and supporting you through it. Won't you come and consecrate yourself to so great a Savior? I ask you today, is he so much the more to you? Is he worth more to you than anything? Because if he is, you best get to the front and get on your knees and give yourself, consecrate yourself. And if you're blessed with a wife or husband or children, you need to dedicate them. Put them in the Lord's hands. The safest place for any of your loved ones is in the hands of Almighty God. Has God given you a job? Put that in his hands. Has he given you a house or a car, a career? Put all that in his hands. Put it all in his hands today. Dedicate all that and consecrate yourself to him today and come and say Lord all that is of me all there is of me Lord here I give to thee today you need to make a consecration of yourself today for his honor for your glory his glory and for your good as his creature you need to do that today would you stand to your feet with me we're going to have a word of prayer come let us fall down before him this morning The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The question is, will you do it? Will you come on this invitation? Let's begin the new year the right way, the only way, by consecrating and dedicating ourselves to Almighty God.